0: To the next instalment of the Saddle Podcast, the Sitcom Archive Deep Dive Overdrive, I am one of your co-hosts, Alison Barton-Simmons.
1: Now then, now then, now then. Oh no, no, shit, that's a bit too Jimmy Savile, isn't it? I was going for Fred Truman and I've gone Jimmy Savile. <sighs> I am your yeah. other co-host, Ex benedict
0: There we go, that's better.
1: Yeah. Now then, um, now but- then, rattle, rattle, <laughs> jewellery, jewellery. Just, yeah, just double down on it then. You're not allowed. To, it's a shame you're not allowed to do them. Like, I used to do a good Rolf as well, and you can't do him anymore, can you? You can't. You're not allowed. did you and, deal what it is, you? <laughs> <laughs> Specialising in
0: paedophile. Um, just draw a line. We'll draw a line there. Yeah, sorry, sorry. i subverted the whole thing already. Sorry. We shall, we shall revisit what is now the third episode of the 1970s classic sitcom. Of faulty Towers.
1: Yep, we're on series one, which was 1975.
0: We're on episode three, The Wedding Party. I did enjoy this episode, despite the fact that I'm not a massive fan of sort of Pratt Falls and slapstick. But this, this episode for me, there was lots going on, lots of to and fro and it was very sort of, um, lots of, lots of confusion, lots of confusion and people not knowing what's going on, which is. Quite shocking, mm. is it, for the 12
1: toes. Yeah, it was. To me, it was ramped up to the like to 11 in this one in terms yes. of like misunderstandings and slapstick mm. and stuff. It's actually not one of my favourites of the 12. Is run. Because it's almost so incredulous. But I know. I mean, you're supposed to. You're supposed to think this is beyond what a reasonable person would do. I know. Yes. That. Because he's not a reasonable person, Basil he? <laughs>
0: Did you think in this episode, when I, looking at at faulty in this episode, I, I can almost see the the mental decline, the slide into into mania, from mm. the first episode to now. He just he just felt like it was being ramped up, and he just looked, I think, like he was he was getting there.
1: I think it might be because of all the sexual stuff. I think don't think he can handle anything
0: sexual. Okay. I think right. it's
1: like his. It's almost like his. Um, it triggers him.
0: Oh, he was triggered.
1: He was very <laughs> triggered. Yeah, oh, <laughs> he was very I, triggered. I've come around to your way of looking at things already. I feel very sorry for him at, from time to time. Yeah, I mean he's a monster as well. But anyway, we'll get stuck into that. We'll get the, to that.
0: The... Absolutely, we will. Yeah. Um, the start of this episode, just just to mention um, the sign outside the hotel, we've got a wonky W in this episode. So obviously the 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 leading up towards all the sort of letters hanging off and changing around. This the, so this episode. The infamous sign, it's a wonky W.
1: Yeah, I didn't notice. Do you know why? Because I watched it on Daily Motion where clearly to get around copyright, they've reversed the picture. Alright. So So it's flipped, so all the credits were like back to front. So the sign was back to front. But all that
0: How strange.
1: You, I know, I, I think they do it to avoid copyright detection or something. But oh. it was really weird watching it because like the set was the wrong way around, like the, the desk was what? on the right oh, the right oh, no. hand side. <laughs> I know oh it was really God. weird to get you so used to seeing that set, that iconic set, you know, the, the oh. desk on the left and the dining room on the right. But yeah, so I didn't even notice a sign this week. But before we get stuck into the episode proper, post-sign, are you uh-huh. um, are you going to do a little game for us this week?
0: I am going to do a little game for us this week. It's um, in, in the sort of vein of Call My Bluff, mm-hmm. where I give you a statement with three possible answers our outcomes, and you need to identify which one is the actual truth from that list.
1: So much like we did last week, although for us yes. it was about two months ago, because we haven't recorded an episode in that long. So
0: yeah, I'm, I feel a bit rusty, I feel a bit rusty, but I've, I've yeah, I've got a couple prepared for you then, so shall we okay. give it a go? Yeah, I'm ready, hit me with it.
1: Well, let's have a game, game of Call My Bluff Is what I say true or maybe it's doff It's faulty Towers, Call My Bluff it's So play faulty along, it's time for faulty Towers Call, call My
0: Bluff, bluff. Alright then, so number one Dennis Wilson was the British pianist, composer, arranger and conductor born in the 1920s in Leicester who composed the theme tune to Faulty Towers and he also... Composed the themes for other TV shows. Can you okay. identify from this list which ones are correctly composed by Mr. Wilson and which one wasn't?
1: So all of the all of them are apart from one. Yes. Okay.
0: Okay. So you have step to one son, mm-hmm. butterflies, mm-hmm. and marriage lines.
1: The Marriage Lines is the only one that doesn't automatically start playing in my head. Steptoe and Son okay. is obviously, I can imagine someone doing a Cockney walk, doing a oh, long yeah, walk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the second one?
0: Um, Butterflies. Butterflies. Butterflies like
1: a butterfly. That's the one. It's a bit twee, that one,
0: isn't
1: it? Mm-hmm. Um, but the Faulty Terrace theme is a bit twee as well.
0: Yeah. I
1: That's thought it was like a piece of classical music from last century, um, century before last. Um,
0: what, like a well-known track?
1: Standard or from... something, yeah.
0: <laughs> track.
1: Yeah. Mozart used to put out a lot of tracks. <laughs> what are you listening to? Bark's third track. Uh,
0: it's the remix, or so You ought to have heard it. <laughs> yeah. I
1: was like, That's classic trigger joke in Fools and Horses. It's a karaoke version. <laughs> I'm going to go. I think Butterflies was written by this dude. And Okay. So it's either Marriage Lines or it's Steptoe and Son. I think Steptoe and Son wasn't him. I'm going to say Steptoe and Son.
0: Incorrect. It was Butterflies.
1: Oh, well, totally wrong then. (laughs) Yeah, Butterflies is very twee though. Mm. Yeah, I don't like it.
0: Okay. Number two. In May 2001, Faulty was voted number two in a list of 100 greatest characters of all time. Okay. It, this is this was a poll that was conducted by Channel Four. So, from this list, can you identify which one was voted number one?
1: Ian Beale. <laughs> Not no? on the list. Okay. All right. Good. Is this is this comedy <laughs> characters or just characters?
0: Comedy characters. Okay. Okay. So you've got from a list of Del Boy, Edmund Blackadder, or Homer Simpson.
1: Oh, well, I would have said Del Boy if I thought it was just going to be British. Is this a British poll, Laura?
0: It seemed to... No, it seemed to be a international list.
1: Well, I'm going to go Homer, then.
0: It was Homer. I was quite shocked at that.
1: Yeah. And, well, Edmund... Edmund is Blackadder really, really popular stateside? I mean, I'm sure it's known. But... I don't
0: know, but it was by Channel 4, so it's obviously a British poll, including international characters. But yeah. I just thought that... If it was Channel Four it would it would have been I think after Delby. it's Is Del Boy not just the Oh it should have been Port Pie Should have been Desmond Port Pie,
1: yeah. Um Del Boy. Did you see that cringeworthy video David Jason did for the England team the other day? No. Coming out of a lock up garage wishing them well. <laughs> no. Without John Sullivan's brilliant scripts, David Jason is really on a Lost. hide into nothing, yeah. It was just really cringeworthy. Oh no. And in, in fact, he'd probably put the mockers on the England team by doing it. I think we should yeah, blame him. he
0: just hex them. Yeah.
1: That's
0: why they didn't Oh, well, well done. Yeah, one point. Is um, there another one
1: or is there only two?
0: Number, no, number three. I've got another oh, one. Oh, great. Okay. Um, So faulty in this episode that that we've just watched, um, talks about the film How to Murder Your Wife when referring to Sybil. Yes. When he's talking to the major in the bar in the hotel this 1965 film starred Jack Lemon. Okay. But there's also a British actor that stars alongside him in this film. Can you identify which one from this list of three? So we've got Eric Sykes. Yeah. Terry Thomas. <laughs> I knew Terry
1: Thomas would come up there somehow.
0: Leslie Phillips. So which of those three... British actors starred alongside Jack Lemon in How to Murder Your Wife.
1: Well, it sounds like the type of film that should have a cad in it. Mm. So Terry Thomas would be would be a shoe in for that. However, Leslie Phillips is just the Leslie Phillips and Terry Thomas are just two different sides of the same fifty pence piece. Really. Yeah,
0: that's true.
1: Eric Sykes, I don't even know that much about. I'm showing my youth there, I suppose. But I think Terry Thomas is a stooge because you would have thrown him in. Because he's one of our favourite little uh, Easter eggs.
0: Yeah. So I'm going to go Eric
1: Sykes. I'm going to go Eric Sykes.
0: (laughs) He's Terry Thomas. It's not, is it? Yes.
1: Oh God.
0: I thought it. I thought it was so obvious that it would be. um, I'd be able to trip you up with that one.
1: Oh, well, you did.
0: He's like a. He's like a. I was going to say a bad penny, but he's not really, is he? But he keeps turning up. He. He. No matter what we do, Terry Thomas just you know shows Mm. his face. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Well, we're not going to deep dive um, Dastardly and Muttley next. Who, of course, Dick Dastardly was based on Terry Thomas.
0: Exactly. So, yeah, he just turns up all the time. But, yeah, I quite like that. So, well done. You got one out of three. One out of
1: three. I can't remember what you got in mind. You probably beat me, but it was so long ago for us.
0: I was going to say I probably got none.
1: It was so long ago for us, I don't remember. So, (laughs) we'll find out when we release this and listen to it back. Oh, well, I don't mind that. It's a game of chance, isn't it? It's a game of chance. Of
0: course it is. Of course it is. But well done. Well done for trying.
1: Well, let's have a game of Call My Bluff Is what I say true or maybe it's doff It's faulty Towers, Call My Bluff So play along, it's time for faulty Towers Call My Bluff So uh, we'll get stuck into this episode but just a quick reminder um, you can you can watch these episodes of Faulty Towers on places like Britbox It's recently been shown on the BBC, hasn't it? It's actually been replayed on primetime BBC Has it really? Yeah, it's been on because... I, don't, I don't
0: tend to watch normal telly it's on the iPlayer, definitely.
1: It was on Our like 8 at night, just primetime BBC One, and I think um, loads of people were tweeting about it because I monitor the keywords. Yeah. But yeah, also, or you could watch it on YouTube or Daily Motion in reverse.
0: I still find that so weird.
1: <laughs> yeah, if you listen to Faulty in reverse, it's a satanic mes- message for you.
0: Yes. How to murder your <laughs> wife, just, you just gives you all the tips. <laughs>
1: Okay, let's get stuck into this one then. So it's Series 1, Episode 3, The Wedding Party.
0: So this episode opens up in the infamous hotel bar with Sybil... Laughing like a seal, so I was already triggered within the first few seconds of this episode. I don't know about you, Ben, but she she really has got a honking seal of a laugh.
1: She has, to, yeah. There's no denying
0: it. Mm. Uh,
1: yes, I think I figured that would trigger you a little bit. Sybil's um, laugh. The, it's because Basil describes it as a machine, uh, machine gunning a seal.
0: Yeah, I I, I love that definitely.
1: It's a good line, yeah.
0: And th- th- this this whole scene it irritates me from start to finish because, and I know it's out of context, so you don't know what's gone on before because Basil could have just been an arsehole all day and yeah. done no work, and the minute that she sat down, he's twittering round her, but as, as an audience, you tend to watch it and assume that she's just sat about flirting with the guests while Basil gets on with all the work.
1: I've took a different take from it. Maybe I've right. just... I've got head cannon going on. I mm. think she is making a show of herself by flirting with this chap.
2: Yeah.
1: Purely because of the way that the French guest, Miss Penoir, she's clearly got a thing for Basil, and she's heavily flirting with Basil, and yeah. Basil is just awkward with it. But I think Sybil is jealous. I think because she does make a catty remark, doesn't she? I think I think she's acting up. In sort of retaliation, because she's oh, okay. insecure deep down.
0: About hmm. Mrs. Pen, Mrs. Penoir, the, the antique dealer, she's, she's, she's very handsy, isn't she? She's, um, yeah, all over, yeah. all over Basil whenever she can, which, which does, it really does fluster Basil. He, he, you can see him getting a bit wound up and a bit hot under the collar. I must congratulate you. I had no idea how charming Torky was. Oh, shall they? May I ask, uh, did you find anything of interest? Hmm, a few pieces I like very much. And one, oh, I had to have it. Oh, formidable. I'm so pleased. <laughs> yeah. But his, and, and we see later on in this episode, his response to that just makes him look really guilty. He, if he just chilled out a bit, mm. it would be all right. But he makes it worse by, by acting really guilty.
1: I feel sorry for him because he's clearly uncomfortable and she is a pain in the arse. There's no doubt about it. She's mm. she's always seems half pissed. She's ridiculously yeah. flirty and sort of demonstrative and ostentatious in a you know, over the top way. Yeah. And then even even when Basil is then in the in the lobby, bloody Miss Tibbs and Miss Gatsby are all over him as well, touching yeah,
0: yeah. him. He can't get away from it, can he? He can't get away from it. I thought this scene as well, it really highlighted how abrasive their relationship is, Basil and Sybil. Yeah. There there never seems to be just any honesty or being upfront or even even like Basil going to Sybil and saying, God, this French woman won't keep her hands off me. She's driving me mad.
1: Yeah, as you would. If, If it happened in either of our marriages, we'd just tell.
0: It diffused the situation, yeah, but he, he just seems to stalk the fire by just tipping more fuel on it by being weird about it. Yeah. <laughs> in <1980, actually. laughs> did you uh, Did you ever see that film How to murder your wife? How to murder your wife? Yeah, it's awfully good. I saw it six times.
2: <laughs>
0: Very funny. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, the old ladies catch him in, in, the, um, in the reception and they're all panicking about him and worrying about him. They
1: think he's got taller. Yeah. Do you think that the, the, those Harry Enfield characters, the wibbly wobbly old ladies, you know, <laughs> young man, oh, young man,
0: young man, do you think it's, they were based yes. on them too? Could be.
1: They Could seem be. like almost like a bit, uh, not obsessed, but a, yeah,
0: yeah, I think they are. They do. With, they, with they, faulty. They, they mither him. They mither him to death. They really do. And then Polly and her this boyfriend that we've we've never heard of before. I don't think. Yeah. Coming to the hotel. Which is a very, it's a very sort of overtly sexual, strange scene, I thought. Yeah. She goes behind the bar to, to find this book that she needs to retrieve to give back to um her boyfriend. And I was a bit flustered when she, when she leant over the, the reception desk and he grabbed her by the vest top and pulled her. Yeah. And all I could think was, oh my God, he must have just seen her boobs.
1: Probably, because she was a bit, Son's bra, wasn't she? Yeah, yeah, it, it,
0: yeah. I, I, it was, it was, it was something that that I just thought you wouldn't see that on TV today. There wouldn't be something no. so overtly an overtly normal situation. You wouldn't have something like that without there being some reference to it, and it just no, it, there was no reference to it really. No, no, no. So they have a massive kiss, and then Faulty <laughs> faulty comes like blustering back in, wondering what kind, what kind of place do you think this is? A massage parlor. So he obviously. Did notice that there was yeah. obviously something going on at the reception desk, and Polly's quite just sort of shrugs it off, really.
1: Yeah, Basil puts down her art again, which I don't like, but mm. I think that's a recurring a recurring thing. And obviously, that's the setup to the joke that then follows when he answers the phone because he's looking at some nudie ladies, isn't he? But <laughs> Polly's drawn.
0: Hello, faulty titties. Faulty titties. Hello,
1: faulty titties. <laughs> which is funny, which is
0: brilliant. It's brilliant. Uh, and it's Audrey on the phone whose husband has left her again, which then, fault he does, he, he tries to sort of be a bit compassionate, but he's not really, is he? He doesn't really give a shit.
1: No, it, I don't think he's hiding it at all, really. No, oh, he's done it again, has he? Oh, okay. It's not Basil's night because that other sexually liberal couple rock up.
0: They do. The, the, the Bruces, they're not really the Bruces, but they call themselves the Bruces. Yeah. It's Jean and Alan. Who are we? We find out later are friends of Polly. So they arrive at the hotel in order to try and get a double room, and this highlighted because you you th- you think sort of like the seventies. It's not that far away, but obviously times were very different. You couldn't just rock up to a hotel as a, as a as a couple not married and and get a double room in order to do what you wanted. The hotels were quite specific about who could have the rooms. If it had well, a
1: double may, bed, may I don't know. I mean, not having been an adult trying to book a weekend away in the 70s uh, for a bit of like premarital nookie mm. i wouldn't know but there was clearly two different approaches on show sybil's and basil's because when yes. sybil takes over she doesn't give a shit yeah so whether it was de rigueur for um for people to react like basil did or it was just a basil thing you know a a old footy duddy attitude i don't know
0: I think he. I think it was something. I think it, it. Well, the fact that they said that they only had one double. I don't know whether they only had one double left, one double bed left, or one double bed in the whole of the the hotel, and everything else was like twin beds. I don't know. But, Maybe
1: that's why Basil and their uh, Sybil <laughs> sleeping sleeping single beds. <laughs>
0: sleeping single beds. Oh dear me! So yeah, there's lots of like flirting and bumping, chin and giggling going on. Um, and it fi- it turns out eventually that these they're, they're not the Bruces they're not a married couple uh, because Jean spots a letter behind the reception that's addressed to her with a different name that's not Mrs. Bruce, so they they sort of like oh we've 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 let the cat out of the bag here yeah and then yeah Sybil comes along and sorts them out with a with a room and just bypasses Basil and his his um, neuroses is neuroses a word New- neuroses Neur- Neuroses, there we go. Not neuroses.
1: That that sounds like a tablet that you
0: <laughs> Neuroses.
1: Like Gavis gone, Got any neuroses? Oh, I've got a blinder behind the eyes.
0: <laughs> neuroses. Oh dear me.
2: You're a naughty
0: boy, Faulty. So yeah, um, Faulty does try to tell them though that it's against the law. It's against English law yeah. to um, <laughs> to let them have a double room together, uh, which did it, it did tickle me.
1: But then again, you know, the amount of fucking things that were against the law in the 70s and 80s, I mean, mm. I know I'm in danger of getting political, but when you think about, because I've just been watching, um, what's it called?
0: Um, It's a Sin.
1: It's a Sin, yeah. And it's a really good show. It's wonderful. Um, Thatcher's government banned any reference to homosexuality in libraries and in yep. classrooms and stuff. Was it Section 27? can't remember what it was called.
0: 28. 28. Yeah.
1: Close enough. I wonder what 27 was.
0: <laughs> I'm going to find out. <laughs>
1: 27 would have been something even worse. <laughs> There's not much that they could do worse, really. But um, yeah, and you think, well, that was law, and it was only like less than 40 years not ago. Not long since, yeah. So who knows? Maybe maybe at one time or another you did have to prove that you were married to get a yeah, double room. Yeah,
0: to, to get a hotel room with a double bed in. Yeah. <laughs> Mrs. Penoir, the, uh, the French antique dealer, then sort of swans into the reception, all handsy. Mrs. Penoir swans into the, the reception area, while the, the Bruces, who are not really the Bruces, get two singles. And, and Alan says, if that's all right with the police, which did make me laugh, because obviously yeah. he's taking the Mickey now out of, um, out of faulty. Uh, F- Faulty ends up in the back office where Manuel appears at the window. So we've not seen Manuel yet, and we're obviously used to seeing Manuel in his his like his, his 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 whites. But he turns up at the window in, and I will be mentioning this in fashion corner. I bet. Oh, this like royal blue suit, his hair slicked back. He's obviously ready for for going doing something, and we find out it's his birthday. It's his birthday, yeah. and he's he's looking forward to his time off to go and do what he pleases for the evening. Uh, but he just wanted to stop off and thank Mr faulty for his birthday present of an umbrella. Mm-hmm. And just to say goodnight. But Faulty's just not having any... He just wants to shoo him out of there. He's not bothered. He's not interested. He's like, yeah, no problem. Off you go. Um, I thought you'd already gone.
1: Because he's got like a pre-prepared speech that he wants to deliver, hasn't he? Poor he Manuel. does. Poor and
0: Manuel. He just can't
1: get it out because... Basil, well, he he turns violent before the end, which is a bit over the top, actually.
0: It is, yeah.
1: I mean, I know there's a lot of violence perpetrated on Manuel, but there didn't seem to be any even build-up. Usually, he's been annoying Basil for a while before he gets a, a slap or a...
0: Yeah, but he does a, give, him a, give him a bit of a smack, do not he? Yeah. And then, however, Manuel ends up taking the, the guest's luggage up to the room, <laughs> despite the fact that he's supposed to be going off for his birthday.
1: Yeah.
0: He, he ends up working, which, which often <laughs> happens, doesn't it? Um, so... Polly meets the, the Bruces on the stairs and we find out that Jean and Alan are friends of Polly's that are here at the hotel for a wedding that they're all attending.
1: Yeah, um, then they have a very middle-class catch-up chat, don't they? It's yes. all very jolly hockey sticks and, I don't know, it seemed a bit forced to me, but yes. well, maybe because it's just not the way I ever catch up with friends.
0: no, no. On the stairs, they have a bit of a discussion about the fact that Alan doesn't have any batteries for his razor, mm. um, and asks Polly if there's anywhere if she can direct him anywhere to to pick up some some batteries. And Polly suggests the the chemist might be a good idea, a good starting point, which then is the the starting point of a very odd conversation between Alan and Basil Fawlty.
1: Yes. Well, he just presumes off the bat, doesn't he, that he wants a chemist because he he needs some nodders.
0: Yes. So initially we're thinking that, that Fawlty th- assumes that, that, that this guy wants condoms. After already saying you can't have a double bed because you're not married, he's now sort of putting the blockers on the fact that this guy might want condoms.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Which then escalates very quickly into, no, I want some I want some batteries. And then Basil assuming that he's obviously after them for some kind of weird, kinky sex dildo. Well, I only want some batteries. <laughs> I don't believe it.
1: What it's batteries, eh? Huh? You know something? You disgust me. I know what people like you get up to, and I think it's disgusting. <laughs> what are you talking about? What's the batteries my electric razor? I want to shave. Oh yes. Yes, I'm shaved today. Look, see. Electric razor, huh? Right. Well, that's what I was referring to when I said it was disgusting. It is, of course, disgusting that you haven't shaved. But <laughs> understandable. I mean, sometimes I don't shave either, and that's disgusting too. So I'm pleased to up your room straight away. Thank you so much. Good night. <laughs> Well, maybe it's those tooth toothbrushes that we discovered of uh, oh, from the Good Life in yes. Series One,
0: the maybe vibrator is.
1: toothbrushes. Mm.
0: Is that what Faulty was thinking?
1: John Howard Davis has brought them from from the Good Life into Faulty <laughs> Terrace.
0: There was um, a line that Faulty came out with when he tells he tells Alan that the chemist are shut; you can't get these batteries from anywhere. So ha! Um, and he says, "A bit of a blow, I imagine," which made me laugh a lot.
1: <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that was deliberate or not.
0: Probably not, but I I picked up on it.
1: What I did pick up on is the way that people in the 70s used to say the word disgusting. Because I think disgusting is pretty much how people say it now. Some people turn a G into a C, disgusting Disgusting.
0: kind of sound. Disgusting, But
1: it was more of a diz with a Z sound. Disgusting.
0: Mm. And it was
1: delivered in this sort of disgusting kind of way. Yeah. And even Basil says it several times in one sentence where it's like, well, it's disgusting when I don't shave and it's disgusting <laughs> that you haven't shaved. And then later on, I think the, um, one of the guests, I don't know if it was Jean or her mother says it in exactly the same way. And I think yes. it's just of its time, slightly different pronunciation that you sometimes see and that we pick up on, on when we're looking at these old shows that some mm. words, the word, the, the words themselves and the meanings haven't changed. Although sometimes the meanings do change. For example faulty twats you wonder how he ever got away with that flowery yeah. twats but mm. that's because it was a different meaning at the time but we'll come on yeah. to that in that episode but in this case i just think that the, the pronunciation's changed it's interesting that you wouldn't get that now if someone said to you that's disgusting you just think oh get over yourself pretentious yeah. bastard wouldn't you
0: yeah it's got more of a, a more of an effect i think hasn't it saying it like that
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. Oh,
0: no we see them next up in the bedroom in the in the twin beds that we've mentioned previously the single beds faulty reading jars yeah. <laughs> and sybil's eating chocolates smoking in bed reading reading a magazine it, 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 i almost felt quite claustrophobic at the thought of being in that bedroom and sybil smoking and that room just filling i know i know it's of a time i know that's what what used to happen I, I remember times when that used to happen. It's not like mm. it's it's something I've never even experienced. But the thought of it now just made me feel quite. Like I couldn't catch my breath.
1: Yeah, same. It it took me back to going on chartered flights in the early nineties. God, yeah. Yeah, and you'd be like, my dad was a smoker, so we'd all sit at the back with the yeah. smokers. It was it was horrible.
0: Yeah. You couldn't escape. But it's just one big metal tube that's just full of smoke. Yeah, it's crazy it's, it's, when you think about it. Yeah
1: it's even crazier when you think that your parents are making their entire family sit in the smoking section because they yeah. can't go nine hours without Ziggy. Whereas yeah. as my dad declared when he arrived in Washington one time, I could murder a fag. It didn't go down well. You know, it means a totally different thing here, mate. Don't be saying that.
0: I remember being on a flight once with my mum and dad and a long haul flight and the guy in front of me just, just getting on the plane and pushing his seat right back into like the reclined position. Yeah. So my mum just sat. For however many hours, just like, just chain tabbing, just just blowing smoke through the gap, between the two seats, just directly onto the guy. As revenge. Yeah, he never said anything. Sybil, as well as um, smoking and eating chocolates and uh, reading her magazine was laughing along with whatever was in the magazine as well, and I must admit it really affected it triggered me i I think I've got misophonia you know like where noises yeah, yeah, yeah. get you irritated i can I can get really irritated quite easily by random noise and and that I could feel it it was it was like getting to me i, mm. I don't I, I can. i talk, i do really sympathize with with faulty
1: i i quite i just find it quite funny her laugh her do you laugh yeah, and also that, ooh, I oh no when she's yeah. on the phone. I just, I quite like it. It's kind of iconic.
0: It is, but I just, oh, irritated.
1: <laughs> she's your Tom Good.
0: She is. I think she is.
1: Sybil's hair in bed is, is still all piled high, even though she's in bed smoking and reading a book.
0: Did she take a piece of it off? Did she take a piece of her hair off though at one point? I'm oh. sure I saw her with a, with a piece of hair in her hand as well.
1: Is that the bit that looks like bird shit in her head? Yeah. That white bit, and she just yeah. took it off? Oh, I think so. Okay. It's like
0: a hairpiece, which was obviously, that was de at the time. You had a hairpiece just to to make it look like your hair was different.
1: Never mind what Sybil's reading, though. Basil's reading Jaws. I mean... He is. How do you get any excitement? The, the movie's all tension, isn't it? And mm. The book must have been based on the movie rather than the other way around, which is I've, like normal.
0: I've no, I've no idea, actually. Mm. How do you
1: get the tension when you're reading it?
0: It just says, duh duh duh. <laughs> okay. duh, 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 it does.
1: And it builds it up by having every duh on a different page, you me. Know, <laughs> just getting oh,
0: oh, oh. bigger and bigger. Yeah. And then it's just a picture of the shark's mouth, and then you carry on reading. Oh. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know which came first.
1: Yeah. Cleese didn't mention it in his DVD commentary as to why. Oh, right.
0: okay. But I'd
1: love to know. There must have been a specific
0: knowing how how they wrote and how long they spent and the effort that they put into each episode. There must have been a specific reason for choosing that book.
1: Yeah, Mm, I don't know. I am from Barcelona.
0: The doorbell goes randomly, and we're. we're, I think I think one of the clocks showed that it was sort of something like around eleven o'clock, which would have been. You you know that faulty would have seen this as as a nuisance. The doorbell going when everybody's in bed. There's no such thing as like a, a, a late, getting into your hotel late. It's just like you're in or, or you're out. Yeah. So we have to go downstairs to go and see who it is. And behind the door, it's a, it's, yeah, it's the handsy Mrs. Penoir again. She's just got back from a night on the town and she's, yeah, handsy, flirty, drunk. Yeah. But it all gets, it all gets a bit weird quite quickly. Um, she drops a bag and both her and faulty go to pick it up and then she ends up sat on his back.
1: Yeah, that was weird. Why did she sit in this back? But Faulty's actually been because he answers the door in, in, in a foul mood. But as soon as he realises it's her, he's once again very awkward and chivalrous. And yes, you know, oh, not no, it's only, it's only whatever the time was. He wasn't really. Yeah. All of a sudden, he changed tune. But I don't know why this impatient man didn't lose his shit with this in, infuriating woman. To be yeah.
0: honest, yeah, yes, yeah. And he's focusing on the fact. I think the, the the Bruce is obviously then walking, Alan, Alan and yeah. Jean walking around the same time and see. The whole, the, the whole sort of thing that's 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 going on in the in the reception, and when he tries to oh, it, it's Manic faulty at his best trying to explain it away, and it's just yeah. making it worse. He's just making the hole even bigger by explaining.
1: He sounds almost like a horse racing commentator the way he's doing, <laughs> he does it, doesn't he? Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh. I hope Mrs. Falty appreciates how lucky she is. Well, I think probably not. In fact, but, oh, oh, sorry. Oh, I, are, <laughs> sorry, i think. a part. Oh, let me. Ask.
2: <laughs> Oh, <laughs> 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 sorry. Sorry. Ha, ha, Oh, okay, oh,
0: oh,
1: sorry. No, it's really extraordinary. Uh, the friend doorbell went, I uh, a to tell you. Then I thought to myself, oh, I expect that'll be Alan and, uh, so down I go, and lo behold, it's not you at all. It's Mrs. Pennoir. Have you met Alan and this uh, is Mrs. Mrs. Pennoir? She's an antique dealer. You know, I mean, she deals in antiques. She's not quite the old or anything. But, uh, so I let her in just ten seconds. i mean, I hardly fine. i mean, hardly time to say good evening. In she comes, drops things. Down I go, down she goes, oh, there you are. This my
0: soul's going. Dolly, go. is that the time? My goodness, I was thinking it was a quarter past ten. My God, when I go get to bed, you can't stand around talking all night. you get a lonely night. Bye. Dolly. <laughs> So Faulty heads back to bed after all that um, and he tells Sybil that, oh, it's your two, it's Jean, Jean and Alan, and he's busy tutting, trying to show sort of like mock outrage at the fact that they've come in even later. And he doesn't even mention Mrs. Penoir at this stage. Yeah. Who begins then shouting in French through the walls.
1: bonne Monsieur faulty <laughs> What a stupid cow, she's waking up all the other guests.
0: She's drunk. She's French and drunk, just, so, you know. Yeah. Um, by now uh, he's, a, he's a nervous wreck at this point, No faulty. He's, he's panicking in case Sybil finds out about the innocent fracas with, with Mrs. Penoir in, um, in the reception area. And he goes out into the corridor to sort of sort it out, and there's, there's nobody there. However, then comes along Manuel. He's covered in streamers. He's drunk. Street. He's had a right good... Birthday party bash. I don't know. Who's he been with, I wonder? I wonder who he's Mrs Penware, probably. Yeah. They, he's, just, he's,
1: he's, they just arrived in separate cabs, that's all.
0: Yeah. Poor Manuel, though, obviously, he's had such a good birthday bash that by the time he's serving breakfast the following morning, he is horrendously hungover.
1: He is, but Mrs Penware, who he was on the ale oh, with... Oh, bright as a button. Yeah. I wonder what he was drinking compared to her. He was on the uso, or the. <laughs> she was yeah. just having a couple of Bailey's, or something.
0: Bet she was just throwing it over her shoulder and pretending. So he's trying to serve the guests and feeling absolutely rotten. Faulty and Manuel end up on the floor in a in some kind of sexual twist. Yeah. And it's where I think it's Jean that says it about dis, disgusting.
1: Disgusting. <laughs>
0: yeah, on the floor in the middle of all the guests having the breakfast. Uh, Mr. and Mrs. Lloyd arrive next. Uh, there are next guests that arrive, which turn out to be Jean's mum and Philip, her stepdad, who are yes. also going along to this wedding with Alan and Jean.
1: and Polly presumably
0: and Polly as well, we think, yes, and her boyfriend, who the, the vest the vest Polly.
1: <laughs> the vest yeah we didn't actually get his name, did we?
0: I, I think I might have made a note somewhere of. His name, because Jean asks Polly, "Is such a body coming?" Ah, oh, okay. And I, I, it, I think it's yeah, it is somewhere. We do have a name for him. I can't quite think off the top of my head. And and now it sort of starts. It's uh, there's a, a great deal of miscommunication, misunderstanding, doors opening and shutting, people hiding, general faultiness about this next couple of scenes, um, which just adds to the confusion and adds to. Faulty's mania and panic and yeah, just, it, it just goes all horribly wrong for, for Faulty. So he walks in with the couple's cases and finds Jean hugging Philip, who's her stepdad. Faulty at this stage is thinking, Oh my God, this guy's just arrived. She's supposed to be with that other guy who is some sex pest. And now she's hugging this other man and he gets all confused and flustered.
1: But what I don't get is why. And I know it's for the comedy, but why realistically would Basil try and cover for her? Yes, because then he stops. He stops. Uh, was it the wife?
0: The wife, Mrs. Lloyd, from from going into the room so that she doesn't catch what he thinks is her husband with a younger woman.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> why <laughs> get involved, Basil? But there you go. Yeah.
0: If he just kept his nose out, it would have all just sorted itself out because there, there wasn't really a problem. So, yeah, she's, she's being dragged around by Faulty so that she doesn't walk in on her husband. Faulty does that usual thing of faking a leg pain from the war. Yeah. Um, and then shows him into the kitchen where Manuel's in a hamper in the corner. He's, he's, he's got just his legs hanging out of his hamper.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, you've got to sleep it off somewhere, haven't you?
0: That's what, I, I don't blame him. I don't blame him. Faulty then sees Jean in, in reception and Polly goes up, um, to, to Mr. Lloyd's room now, to Mr. and Mrs. Lloyd's room. Now, Polly obviously is friends with Jean and knows the family really well. So she goes up with some sandwiches, uh, for the couple. Faulty walks in again and now Mr. Lloyd is hugging Polly. And at, and at no point did did faulty just sort of assume right what's going on here. They must they must know each other. Surely yeah. I would be thinking they, 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 these people must know each other.
1: This is what gets me about this episode. It stretches that incredulousness because yes, he's he's not walked in on them doing all the positions of the Kama Sutra. <laughs>
0: no, they're just hugging they're just as hugging. people
1: do. And the conclusions he arrives at
0: is he so sexually repressed that everything that happens in the world ever. In front of faulty, he assumes there's some kind of sexual element because he's so repressed, yeah. perhaps.
1: I think perhaps that's it.
0: He sees sex everywhere. You bastard!
1: <laughs> but but the next the next um, part of this series of misunderstandings is the one where I've got a slight bit of sympathy for Basil because okay. you know when while well, Polly's trying her new frock on and yes. at the same time as Alan's making all these sort of grunts and groans of appreciation from the massage she's receiving yes. from Jean. Yep, Basil's in the corridor, and he sees Polly leave, and just puts two and two together. And it's it's at that point you think, actually, I can understand. Yeah, on this occasion.
0: Yes. When Polly comes out and she's tucking all the uniform back in. Yeah,
1: yeah, but the, you, mean, will, you
0: could you could perhaps draw the conclusion from that, yes.
1: Yeah, but he's clearly got it on the mind. But the scene then where he's trying to puzzle it all out in his own head in the hallway is very well yes. delivered by him. Where he's
0: it, of, brilliant.
1: And then he runs off. You know, it's really good that.
0: At some point soon, though, Sybil explains the misunderstanding to Faulty and all becomes clear. She's obviously knows what's what, who's related to who, who's allowed to cuddle who, and it'd be all right. Yeah, and faulty says, "What have I done?" <laughs> well, Basil's
1: pu- puzzling it out in his head again. He's going; you can see his eyes going, and he's almost like he's—he's he's just yeah. told Polly to. He wants to see her in reception in one minute in a hat and coat, which is the yeah. weirdest way I've ever heard of giving someone a P forty-five.
0: <laughs> he's gonna—he's gonna sack her. He wants all the Lloyd family to to get out, and he's—what have I done? But then he turns it—he turns it and says, "Why didn't you tell me?" You half-wit. Yeah, Sibyl. very brave. So, yeah. yeah. And he tries to get Sybil to go and sort out the mess because he doesn't want to be faced <laughs> with, with all these people again. Yeah. Gaslighting at its best.
1: Yes, it was a bit, but it was uncharacteristically brave of him. And she's re- reasonable. She's just saying, no, it's your mess. You sort it out.
0: Later on that evening, they're back in the reception and um, Mrs Penoir pops in again and and asks Faulty to put the show pan back on the little tape recorder because mm. she finds it so romantic. And again, she's handsy and flirty. Very she's smiling. all over him
1: like a cheap suit, she's... isn't she? And he's just... Do you know who I think she looks like a bit? Who? Do you know Rebecca Front?
0: Yes. Oh, that's a good show. Yeah.
1: She's got definitely a look of Rebecca Front.
0: Yeah.
1: She wasn't French. She's Scottish that actress and she had a voice coach.
0: It was quite a good sort of... Yeah. English English voice French accent. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I think she she did. I mean, she was an annoying character, mm. annoying character. But she was she performed the role well.
0: Yeah, yeah. Believable, very believable. She even says to Faulty at this stage, though, "Don't look so bashful. I won't try and sit on you again."
1: Yeah, a patter's rotten, isn't it? A patter is rotten. Yes. She's, you know, I think she definitely fancies a bit of basil.
0: I think so. She 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 doesn't leave him alone, does she? No. Um, and she even at this stage invites him up to her bedroom to fix the window, which just sounds like a line, doesn't it? What a line! Yeah. So he goes into a room, and he but he always seems to end up trapped, like a like a like an animal <laughs> every yeah. time she's around. She like pins like pins herself against the door to stop him going.
1: She actually says to him in the room um, when when there's a breeze in there. She says I shall sleep au naturel tonight and I mm. thought, bloody hell, you are not leaving there's no subtlety there anymore, is there, it no. really?
0: She's a bit of a pest, isn't she? He gets he gets a twinge from his old leg wound yeah, as well yeah. at this
1: stage. <laughs> bit of shrapnel.
0: <laughs> yeah. I don't think it was anything to do with his leg though, the twinge.
1: He double bolts his bedroom door when he when he gets in it.
0: <laughs> yeah, this again, this is another strange scene when he's he's, he's, he's in the bed he's in the bedroom and trying to sort of fend off Mrs. Penoir. But then it's Sybil that's actually behind the door saying, let me in, let me in. And he's just saying, no, my wife's going to find out. And he yeah. just, he's just making it even worse. He's making it just a, a disaster zone, really.
1: But then she says, well, this is your wife.
0: Oh, God.
1: And he, he opens it up, and and, and his immediate, <laughs> like, response, he's, I suppose he's thinking on his feet. He's like, oh, my God, what a terrible dream. <laughs>
0: Oh, dear me. Sybil at this point is, is concerned because she thinks that there's a burglar downstairs as well. So sends yeah. Faulty to go and investigate and sort it out. It turns out, as you could have predicted, um, from 10,000 miles away, that it's Manuel and Faulty cracks him with a pan.
1: With the wrong saucepan, as we now know. Poor, the, poor the, Andrew ah,
0: Was that, was that the, was that the, the, the incident with the, with the pan where he actually hurts him?
1: John Thingy Davies, Howard John, How, Howard John, John Howard Davies had labelled the pan, but in the darkness, Cleese just couldn't see it and he grabbed the wrong one oh. and clocked him with a proper pan and he had, he had a concussion, basically. Yeah,
0: Not surprised. So the, the Lloyds, again, as, as you know, as you would expect, arrive at the same time back from the wedding and see Faulty in just his shirt and underpants yeah. and Manuel once again face down on the floor. And that's where the episode finishes.
1: Well, they think he's prone-boning Manuel on the floor. And then they weirdly announce, we've been to a wedding.
0: (laughs) And that's it. And then it's like, end scene.
1: Yeah, it was just such a strange line. Mm. I thought that would have been a better time for her to have been disgusted.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: But there you go. So, so,
0: yeah, so lots of of slapstick, which I'm not usually a massive um, fan of. But I found it quite, not charming, but I, I think it's it's faulty at its misunderstanding best
1: yes it's essential. yeah it is it's very much classic um, mm. what it's what faulty towers is known for
0: exactly I think exactly
1: parts of the episode that i really liked one that you didn't mention actually which was that scene with the major when when he's talking to the major in the early evening, and and um, Mrs. Faulty's gone to to look after a friend, and uh, the major says she's a fine woman, Mrs. Faulty, and Basil says no, no, I wouldn't say that, and then the major just goes, no, neither would I. <laughs> I love that. Also,
0: you you do kind of feel that perhaps he has got Faulty has got a bit of an ally in in the major.
1: Yeah, but it just—it was like he was making the major was just was just making a cursory effort to be complimentary about the guy's wife, and then Basil just didn't give a shit, so the major stopped giving a shit as well. (laughs) I really like that little scene. Yeah, so that's the episode. Lots and lots and lots of um, peripheral characters for you to examine their uh, their clothes and their wedding suits and Polly's. Polly's pokey nipples and stuff like that. So let's have a little trip over to Fashion Corner. Well, well
0: it's time, time to, to take, a take a little trip, trip to, to the place, to place that Longer Call was hip. It's, fashion Corner. Corner. it's, it's fashion, Corner. fashion Corner. It's Fashion Corner. It's Fashion Corner. Fashion Corner. I've got Polly's boyfriend's name here as well, which is, it was Richard Turner. He got a full name, despite oh. the fact that he was only in it very, very minutely. Okay. So yes, I'm going to start Fashion Corner with um, Richard Turner. Because of his atomic mustard V-neck top and blue denim flares, which were so striking when, when he when he enters with, with Polly, yeah. he looked like, like the, the loading screen from a ZX Spectrum. It was so <laughs> sort of stark. The two bright colours. And alongside that, Polly with could kind of say a sage green vest top with wonderful boobs that they they, they didn't move at all. She was obviously mm-hmm. browless and a sage green vest and 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 matching skirt, which obviously mid seventies quite a muted tone that sort of was was of that time.
1: Yeah. But
0: just looked cool. She just looked fab because we yeah, actually she see did. her just in a in, in a in a a work garb. Um, it was it was quite nice to see her just just out and about doing her own thing. Mrs. Penwar has in in one of the earlier scenes. It's like a black and red chiffon bat wing dress which is obviously very that was obviously Duriger in the 70s but then later on I noticed that there's there's lots of like stripes on it as well like like biscuit coloured browns, rusts. A really beautiful dress. Very Parisian perhaps mm. she she was obviously supposed to be someone with style and taste and class and I think her outfit in that scene did show that. Um, Sybil in, in the earlier scenes as well is, is in like a black cocktail dress with I think what they call like a cold shoulder so you've got like the, the, the shoulders of the dress missing and just your bare shoulders showing okay. with like a red sparkly corsage which I thought was quite for, for someone that's, that's like running a hotel and, and busy I, I'm amazed at how much like she dresses up for, for the role, for the job mm. for the job of being a hotelier mm. she's, she's sort of very dressed up to the nines really
1: Although having said that, Basil was cravatted, wasn't he? This, this yeah! One.
0: Maybe they just made an effort back then. Because um, obviously not, they don't have a uniform, do they, for the hotel? But they, they do seem to be... Um, they put the effort in of an evening.
1: Yeah, it's only really Polly and Manuel who have to in uniform, isn't it?
0: Yeah. Jean's tangerine halterneck sundress when she arrives, um, I think at the hotel or it's while she's in the room upstairs, that's a, a really beautiful one, just like a, a very flat, matte coloured tangerine dress, of, of its time I think, but didn't wouldn't seem out of place now, I don't think, the, that style of dress, I think you could get away with that now. Mrs Penoir, when she goes down to breakfast after a night on the tiles... In a red, white, and blue striped dress, very sort of very French. I looked at that and, and immediately thought, "Oh, the tricolor, French flag." Oh yeah. That kind of that kind of outfit, perhaps. I don't know if that was if there was any meaning behind that. But it, and it also reminded me of, and I can't think of whether it was something that Margot had on in the Good Life or a pinny that she had, just a very sort of bright red, white, blue look yeah. to it, which might have just been of the time not really anything to do with the fact that she was french um gene however at breakfast is sat in a bikini top and a, and a skirt yeah that
1: was it was a really odd show. i suppose it is Torquay; it's by the sea but still odd that she was in a bikini
0: i got asked to, i got asked to leave a supermarket once in, in spain because i had a bikini top and shorts on and i wasn't yeah. allowed to do my shopping really yeah so well, you I had to abandon
1: bit... your car and everything
0: i have not even got that far. I was told I can't come in. You can't come in with just your bikini top and your shorts on.
1: No Les ca- less Cadbury's as for you.
0: Nope, not that time. <laughs> not that time. So, uh, yeah, I felt a bit resentful that she'd managed to sit and eat a uh, cook breakfast in Torquay.
1: I wasn't allowed in the um, Sistine Chapel because I had shorts on. Catholics, innit? They said it was. Um...
0: Yeah. You can't, why can't you appreciate it? I appreciate it with bare legs. What's the problem? Don't
1: yeah, it? yeah. Very old school. But there you go.
0: Yeah, so, she's, yeah, and it was a lovely, it was a lovely outfit that she had on, but I just don't think it was, it was suitable for breakfast, perhaps. A special mention as well to Mrs Lloyd, when she arrives, she's got like a very, very powdery pink coat, dress, like dress coat, hat. She would have looked not out of place in the audience for the final episode of The Good Life. I'm sorry to hark back to The Good Life. <laughs> yeah. However, straight away when I saw her, she would have been sat amongst um, Liz and Phil yeah. in that in that live audience with with the, with the powder pink hat and, and dress coat on. Final special mention as well to Alan's socks in the scene where I think where he's being massaged, they were absolutely filthy. Which really? would yeah which just, t- to me, only told me how filthy filthy Towers actually is. <laughs> and the bottom of his socks were just black When he, and he was supposed to have, like, pristine white yeah. sports socks on. I know, yuck. Are we not going to mention Manuel's very loud... Um, oh, gosh! Yes, sorry! Tie. Of course I am. Of course I am. I've, I've totally skipped by that because it's, it's hidden away. So, Manuel's got on this gorgeous it's not navy blue it's it's more like like a royal blue royal blue suit yeah and the most amazing orange and yellow psychedelic 1970s flower power tie Mm, it's great Um, isn't it his hair i i quite like this man well look i like this and his hair's all slicked back he's got a mustache i i could i could just sort of see him now i think that 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 look that man, well look, could be transported to modern day, and you would be like a really cool hipster. I think.
1: Yeah, perhaps not. A with A really the s- cool hipster. Not with the, s- not with the hair. The hair made him look a bit.
0: I don't know. I think that, uh, m- m- men know, moustaches and slicked back hair. I think that's quite a thing.
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah, I think so. Oh, I defer I to you 100- on all
1: things fashion. You know that.
0: Well, I'm. Uh, I, I just think, I just think it's something that I've seen with regular- regularity quite recently and I, I don't think you'd think oh he's a bit of a hipster yeah I don't think he's like mainstream but I just I just think that look would stand the test of time and he looked like he made so much effort as well yeah
1: to go out with the well we don't know It might have been a bunch of Spanish friends from Torquay because as we discussed before it was oh, I could, do you know what the, the the word for this episode is de rigueur, de rigueur. you We've and I have it said lot. it but both about three times, but I think it was mm. de rigue for lots of Spanish people or people from the continent to come and work on the south coast at that time. Ah, right. So he maybe had his own little community of Barcelona friends.
0: Yeah, that all just head nice out into, into Torquay.
1: But i tell you what, this there's, there are other podcasts that have covered Faulty Towers, but I can almost guarantee it, this is the only one that has discussed Manuel as a modern, dandy really? fashion icon.
0: I think he is a fashion icon. I, I, I like that look.
1: So, did you uh, manage to pick out a, a bit of bric a brac for Bric a Brac Spotlight this week, Carl?
0: I did. And it was, I bet we picked the same one.
1: Well, I've got a reserve just in case. But oh, have you? Yeah? OK, yeah. well, I'll
0: go first then. It was the, um, cassette, the cassette recorder. The little mm-hmm. cassette recorder that they played Chopin on in the reception, right? Because um, I've got fond memories of having a cassette recorder. I remember I must have been about four or five when I was bought one, and it, and it, it could play tapes on it, and I could record myself on it, and it, I loved it. I you could put batteries in it, I could plug it in, I could take it anywhere. So for me, that that transported me back to being to being little.
1: Yeah, I've got fond memories of those type of things mm. as well. I used to record myself doing impersonations. Yes. And then listen back and try and refine them. Of paedophiles, of course. <laughs> but,
0: <laughs> Only oh, that's yeah. it. Nothing else. Nothing else. I used to sing into mine.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think I did embarrassingly. Yeah, every now and again. Yeah. But they were they were just good fun to play with, weren't they? I mean, they weren't toys, but they were.
0: They were great. Yeah. It was. I think it was like my first ever like sort of piece of electronic equipment that, that was mine. It wasn't something that was handed down from like my sister or my cousin's. Or it a shared I,
1: thing like that. I the,
0: had mine, VHS yeah, or something, is, yeah. Yeah.
1: That's a good pick, I think.
0: Mm. And,
1: and actually, I didn't know that they were um, quite so common, that they were so de rigueur in the 70s <laughs> or somewhere in the 80s. Yes. <laughs> um, my one, and I don't even know if it is what I think it was, but at the start of this episode, in the bar... Mm. on the left-hand side, although it was on the right-hand side for me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you don't even know!
1: There was what looked to me to be like a one-armed bandit in the bar. It could also have been a cash point, but I can't imagine Faulty Towers had an ATM, or that even okay. anywhere had an ATM in 1975, probably. You probably had to go and get it out over the counter, I expect. Yeah. But, um, I didn't spot the one arm bandit. It yet. was a I'll I'll tweet out the picture of this one arm bandit that was sort of behind the major
0: hmm.
1: against the wall on the left hand side. <laughs> Unless you're a daily motion viewer. Yeah. Um well I mean I I, I seeing as it might not even be a- accurate, I'll mention the other thing as well, which is the as you're walking into the hotel lobby from from the outside of Faulty Towers, yes. there's like a an iron walking stick holder. On the left-hand side, (laughs) (laughs) for you, and it looked like it was in the shape of a bear. It was like a bear with his his arms sort of linked, and people had put their walking canes in it.
0: Oh, I bet you loved that, didn't you? Yeah. You
1: you are quite jealous. Yeah, yeah. I I had visions of putting my own walking canes with all the badges lined up.
0: Oh, see? You'd have been in there, wouldn't you?
1: Be useless now. I suppose people would put umbrellas in it, perhaps. Yeah. But there were walking canes in this one. The brass. I can't imagine. Sorry, go on. No, I was just going to say, I mean, I, I think it was brass and I think it was a bear, but I'm willing to be corrected. Because it's just, in the background, a piece of periphery, really.
0: Yeah. Just adding to the set. Mm. I, I can't imagine leaving things anywhere like that now. I can't imagine going in and, and can you imagine putting your walking stick somewhere and then walking off? Obviously, that, that just seems ridiculous anyway. Putting yeah. your walking stick somewhere then walking off. But, just leaving it. You just assume, oh, it's just going to get robbed.
1: You would, yeah. Do you know what? I've never... I mean, I've never been to a restaurant posh enough or a hotel posh enough for this to have happened, but you see it in movies all the time, valet parking, particularly in America, and they just give yeah. the keys to some random...
0: And then they go and park your car.
1: Yeah, and you're like, it could be doing anything with it. It could be doing donuts yeah. in
0: the fucking parking lot. And that's like a joke, that's, that's like a joke often, isn't it, in, in a lot of American films, where you drop your car off for valet parking and then whoever takes your keys off you just drives it a million miles and yeah. just swerves the shit out of it everywhere.
1: Yeah. You probably need new brake pads, new tyres. Mm. Yeah. But there you go. I think it's just one of those things that the people with enough money don't even care about.
0: Don't care, do you? Just get yeah. a new one. It yeah. doesn't matter.
1: So there we go. There's our bric-a-brac for this week.
0: So if you're still enjoying what we're doing and you're along for the ride, you can check us out on Twitter at SaddlePodcast and on Instagram, where we post rare videos, pictures, all sorts of bits and pieces. Um, the Facebook page you can find by searching Sado Podcast, and you could subscribe to our newsletter by visiting our website, which is saddle.club. Here you can find lots of information about us, read our blog posts and listen to episodes if you don't do podcast apps. There's quizzes on there as well to take part in, have a have a good gander and have a good go. Get in touch with us. You can email us at saddlepodcast@gmail.com. And tell us all the things that you've enjoyed or that we've missed. And subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast from. Yeah, that would be appreciated.
1: Next week we've got series one, episode four of Faulty Towers, which I think is, in my mind at least, in from memory, having I mean, I can't remember last time I did watch it, but I've watched it lots of times over the years. It's the Hotel Inspectors. Oh, right. Does that ring a bell for you? I mean that's a brilliant yes. episode where he's he's constantly expecting these hotel inspectors to arrive and uh, you know the farce comes by the fact that he thinks everyone who arrives he's assuming
0: that everybody is the inspectors. Yes. It's not is
1: it the one with Bernard Cribbins in?
0: Oh, it might be. Yes. Yeah. He doesn't play a very cuddly character. I I, I like Cribbins, but he's yeah. always very cuddly but not in this.
1: Yeah. I think it's, it's I think it's this one anyway. Yeah. I, ju- I just I think it's a classic. Well, There's only twelve, and most of them are classics. Let's be honest. They're all classics. So that's what we'll be doing next week. It'd be great if you can um, come and join us. Tell your friends. Leave us a review. Do all the things that I'll just said. But most importantly, we'll be back this time next week with another Faulty Towers episode.
0: I'll see thee. Thanks for joining us. See you soon.